Welcome to Launch Left Podcast. This is Rain. I'm Summer. Listen, enjoy, rate, and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Launch Left is a space for famed creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels. It's also an intentional space to highlight and empower all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. We want to read you a little... Uh, Nonprofit sponsor from hashtag Schools Not Prisons. Schools Not Prisons is the leading brand at the intersection of art, culture, and activism since 2016. Schools Not Prisons has reached millions of people and connected hundreds of artists with grassroots youth serving organizations across the United States. Schools Not Prisons supports campaigns that are creating a new vision of safety centered on health, healing, and investing in people. For more information, visit schoolsnotprisons.us. Please so go bad. there. Please Health, visit. healing, and investing in humans. Right? It's about time. It's, it is about time. So many people that we've talked to has been six six degrees of River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Six degrees of River Phoenix. We should uh, make sure to Bobby Bukowski. Let people wor- know. Let people know when they're on when we're talking to them that they're on six degrees of River Phoenix because we wouldn't have been talking to them without him introducing us to them. Or- and either of us would be have probably. I mean, you could never know, but we were both introduced to music and our own um, musicianship through. River. Mm-hmm. I play piano because he taught me one of his songs. I play a little guitar because he taught me three chords. Uh, you sing uh, because... Because he made me sing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just uh, pretty... I have his four track because he was an avid four track recorder and um, spent hours in his room with music. So yeah, a lot more music. Um, he's you know known for acting. He was great at that. He's not as much known for music, but he was great at that too. So, But I do like the Six Degrees of River Phoenix because it's true. I mean, inevitably, even Lawrence is a massive fan who we just had in, which is how I met. Uh, I, it's not how I met him, but that's how I came to work with him creatively because he had me sing on his record and you, both of us, because he was doing a song. He was heavily influenced by River, and that's how we reconnected with him and Justin Raisin. Ah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Neat. I didn't sing. I did Neat. a spoken word. Right. And I sang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. It's pretty incredible when you, when you break it down. I, I always, you know, it, meanwhile, I also thought that River looked a bit like Kevin Bacon. And <laughs> Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon is a known entity. So we're going to kind of like kickstart it again. Six Degrees of River Phoenix. Um, plus, we're not really advocates for bacon. So both those. But we love Kevin. We love Kevin. And I love the movie Footloose. If there's a movie I could more have enjoyed in 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 my teen years, tween years, it was Footloose. Kenny Loggins. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. That one. Uh, Hi, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Whoa, that sounds like a low voice. Bringing it home. That's the voice of Lawrence Rothman, multi hyphenated artist and multi gender artist. Yes. (laughs) Many different names for me. I knew you first as Lillian Berlin. Yep. Yeah. 
I like that one the best. I know. I really like I missed that one. <laughs> you can go back. I could go back. That's actually why well, I have a, a poetry book coming out. And I was like, you know what? Because half of it was written when I went by that name. I'm like, I'm just leaving it. Like, so maybe like my author name will be Lillian Berlin now. I don't know. Oh, please be on camera, Hazel. It's cute. Um, so Lillian Berlin poetry book. Go back to that. Yeah, I wrote this. Uh, well, I wrote this uh, novel back in 2000. Let's see. What was that? Three or four. When you were 14. Yeah, when I was 14. <laughs> and uh, actually deals with my life when I was actually 14. It's funny. You said it. 13 to 14, the summer of uh, going into ninth grade. And uh, got a publishing deal, like the whole enchilada. Really cool publishing company um, that is now no longer around and out of Chicago and book got pressed sick cover like the whole thing was so exciting and then the publisher went under and I had a box of the books just sitting like the only box that they like printed up was like a book maybe 150 copies and just with no distribution so for the longest time I just like sat on this book and then part of it got turned into a short film for Turner Classics like in 2007 or something called, well, the book was called, it's called Postmortem Bliss and they turned like a portion of it into a short film. And now finally, well, 15 years since the book was written, it's finally gonna come out. But um, I took the poetry portion of it out of the book and have that as sort of like the, the prequel. It's like the EP in the album in the record business world, like the EP's coming out and then the album drop. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm excited about because I've been sitting on this material for a really long time. I love it. I'm wow. so excited yeah. about it as well. I didn't know that even about you, that you wrote prose. Um, I mean, obviously lyrics, but I didn't know you wrote a book or poetry. And um, I love that you used, you talked about it in terms of EP versus album. Yeah. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about why you're so versed in that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been playing music since... I can move my hands. And then I always had recording equipment in my house since God knows how long, nine, 10 years old. Uh, I've had an obsession with the sounds of music and then songwriting and things like that, that, you know, for the longest time. And so poetry and things like that would sort of morph into like the songwriting that felt like it was all once of the same unit, you know? Um, and then, yeah, it started recording professionally being a professional musician at like 16 i had a record deal with hollywood records which is like a disney affiliated <laughs> <record> company <laughs> and i had this band where i was the multi-instrumentalist and the co-songwriter with this girl who's the singer and it's kind of like the days of like electronic early days of like electronic rock music like garbage or um portishead or things like that uh so yeah we did that and that went nowhere I got this like large advance at a very young age and bought all this recording equipment. So good investment. It turns yeah, out. Yeah. And like, I didn't really know what any of it really was, but I had been in enough studios, like writing down the names. I was like, well, I know I need an API this, and I know I need a Neve this and a Neumann mic. And I know it does something. So then when I got this money, I was living, you know, I'm living at my parents' house. I was just like, clean it out, like buy equipment, you know, and I had it all set up in like a suburban St. Louis ranch house basement <laughs> how how did they feel about that my parents yeah uh well they were always support the one thing they were always supportive was, was the music 
because my brothers are musicians too. So we could sit and play music all hours of the night, five, three, four in the morning. They did not give a fuck. And were they musical at all? No, not at all. Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. Like I actually picked up a guitar because I was like six or seven years old. I saw a Bubblicious commercial of a girl like chilling. I thought it looked so cool. So I was like, mom, get me a guitar. And then she wouldn't get it for me. So then my grandmother actually got me one. And that was, I didn't even really know what it did, you know? And, but, you know, and so, and then my brothers, my other brothers, it, it was more of like a natural thing where like my one brother at two literally was playing the drums to MTV, um, like with pots and pans and so yeah. interesting. You said that that is something that your parents did support, sort of like implying that there's other aspects of you that maybe they don't. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yes, that is true. Um, <laughs> they well, so when it came to like musical things, or we did a lot of theater too, like growing up, theater and music was like, yeah, yeah, go do that. Like you know, we'd go to like we'd have a lot of money or, or we didn't have like, um, what was it called back then? Um, long distance, mm-hmm. which you don't have anymore, I guess. Right. You mm-hmm. have long distance phone calls. I don't think right. so. I don't know. I don't have a landline, but so we didn't have long distance. So we'd go to like pay phones and call like Geffen records or whatever, trying to get like a record deal, like my, with my mom as like the manager. <laughs> and like, I have all these letters and it's so funny cause I've crossed paths with all these people at some point now, you know, and I've got like letters from like Tony Berg, who was at like Geffen records at the time saying like denied or like all these like famous like record men who I, a couple of them actually ended up signing me on other musical projects, but we used to do that all the time. And so they were really supportive with like trying to get into the arts somehow from our, from the middle of nowhere, Creekport, Missouri. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, but then other things they, they weren't. Do you want to talk about that or no? Uh, well, I mean like, you know, like sort of like being uh, anything other than like a cookie cutter American boy type of thing, like play sports, working out, like wearing normal clothes. Like my mom was chill. My dad was like, what the hell's going on? You know, because I never dressed normal, let's say, or never like that classic American look, you know, so middle America. Your fashion sense uh, feels like uh, sort of a, you know, more than an expression, right? It is partly an expression of your art in a lot of ways. I was thinking about this morning, I was like, is it ever a burden to look so cool and to like, you know, wake up and, and um, do you ever just be like, fuck, sweatpants and a sweatshirt is what I'm jamming on? Seriously. I have my versions of that. But like, I've, still I've actually seen Lawrence. No, yeah, no. it's like cheetah. No. His studio <laughs> chic look, which is just no, no, comfort. I, it's yeah. a comfort version, well, it, it's but not it even, still looks cool. It's not, know. yeah, it's not even uh, so much clothing per se. Like, because there are times where, like, I just, like, I was forced to join Equinox, which was around the corner from here. Oh. I was forced. So, like, this is not, not at my will. I was forced by. I had an, inter- an intervention because of like a health thing <laughs> where I had to like start exercising. So unfortunately, not the good, the people at Equinox are very nice, but unfortunately my style is not tailored to. Right here on, yeah, on right Vine here or on Sunset. Yeah, I one. just passed it today and yeah, I was like, who I was just there goes today. there? Yeah, me. 
<laughs> and I, I stick, I stick out like a sore thumb. But for example, like I go there and I had to have a trainer. Just I have to get over this sort of physical thing. Um, that's the only way right now is to do this Equinox. I'm only doing it for the the amount of time I have to. Uh, <laughs> and I go in there. I go in there just very regular, right? And the trainer lady, who's a very sweet lady, was just like, wow, I love your style. It's so strange and different. And I'm just like, I literally have Nikes on <laughs> and black, like running pant thing. And so I don't know. So sometimes yeah. it's, it's, it's more about maybe how you present, I, your, present like, yourself your, or your, your energy, or how you yeah. carry yourself, you know, because I purposely thought I looked, I dressed normal to be, to like fit in. Right. Informal. Yeah. You know, and so this is like, you know, there's been a few points in my life where I'll purposely dre dress or look or, or carry myself very normal. And then I get called out on it. And so I, a long time ago, I just gave in. It's just like, whatever. Cause I mean, I've been made fun of like beyond, like even in the, in, in the music world professionally, Lily in Berlin, like even when I was going by that era, like, oh my God, people would go crazy on me about like, you know, every name in the book you can think of. And then now it's like a whole set of new names of, of like derogatory terms or, you know. And we're, I mean, I'm just totally interested because we all deal with our own versions of that, mm -hmm. right? At some yeah. point in yeah. our lives. And uh, how did you deal with that? And did it bring you to a bottom? And then did you find a way, a formula that you, you know, learned how to crawl back up out of that? Yeah, well, I think from, I mean, I've always been like the sore thumb sticking out uh, since I was young. So I always had these defense mechanisms where like it, when I was young, I'd, it, I'd act like stupid, let's say, to get them to be like, or or I'd impress people by playing gu the guitar and they'd be like, oh, well, he's just the freak who plays guitar, you know? Because like, and then in high school, I'd paint my face white and wear red lipstick and I hung out with a group of girls that did the same thing and they were just sort of like, okay, well, he's just that freak in the corner, leave him alone. So defense mechanisms of sort of like playing the scenario, you know? Um, but, you know, I, you know, a place like Los Angeles, like I, I don't look that strange, you know, but, but I think I, you know, it's like almost like a mind over matter thing where my whole life I've always been that strange one. So even though I don't leave, I don't feel look that strange, you know, it's like I summoned it into my existence somehow. So I've figured out ways to be, just be a part of my lifestyle, even though yes, there's been some severe moments of down and out, like what the fuck, you know, now at my age now in my life now, like I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, I'll play KCRW and the comments are like outrageous and I'm just like laughing about it. You know, now to me, it's, it's more of a, it's just funny. It's, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's more like I'm taking the Joseph Campbell approach to life, you know, journey yeah. and coming back home. Yeah, that? exactly. Okay. You know, and I look at things way differently than I did 10 years ago. Like when I was Lily in Berlin doing that music and I was just getting like, I got stabbed, I got shot at, I got made fun of, I got, I've gotten everything when I was that era. I've just, that really affected me then. So it led to like substances, substance problems and things like that. And, you know, but not anymore. Yeah. New beginning. That would be yeah. a or acceptance, mm -hmm. self acceptance, which is like, yeah, you know, probably always there for the taking for all of us. But sometimes it's a journey to, yeah, to, to find that. To well, feel that's the most. And important it's a, thing. it's a tough business oh, yeah. in the sense of 
uh, not even, well, now these days with Twitter and all the social media, you know, the comments are just like, you know, grotesque, you know, as everybody can like let loose on, on an artist and attack them for many reasons. It could be jealousy. It could just be like, they're having a bad day, but then an artist reads it and it could freak them out. You know, it's a lot of artists I know like don't read that shit, but then there's like the critics now are like more, um, into creating like their own, like Lester bangs aura around themselves or something where they're like, they're a celebrity too. So then they will find these hooky ways to like be mean bash. to bash, to elevate their profile that they're now like a legendary presence themselves, you know, a legendary asshole. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look at critics like the parking cops, you know, like weird job. <laughs> Meter yeah. Weird job. <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's also so culturally substantiated to bash each other instead of lift each other up or yeah. to be and that's that's exactly why we're doing this show that's one of the main reasons is wow. that idea of solidarity in the artist community and artist helping artists and artists you know kindness upon kindness instead of cruelty upon cruelty like how do we kind of slowly turn the boulder around um Philosophically speaking, that's like the, the ethos behind it, mm -hmm. uh, some part of it. But, and I feel like it's interesting because a lot of the conversations will, you know, it's especially when we're talking to left of center artists like yourself who've done it, cut your own path uh, fearlessly. Just, and even though, like you said, down and out times where it caused you harm, like you caused yourself self harm mm -hmm. because of the choices you made to yeah. be the, to express yourself how you felt you right. needed to express yourself. Um, like the, why not, you know, the idea of creating a safe space for that is what we're really into yeah. here and talking to artists who did it and now have come out the other end. So, right. right. So yeah, in I case mean, you were wondering why you're here. No, no, I, I, I know, <laughs> I know that that's what, this, I mean, that's, what's great about, about what you guys are doing as well, just because like it really as cliche and parent, parent, what would be the word for that? A parental. That like if you got nothing nice to say, just don't don't say it, you know. And like I feel like in this era of making art, there's a lot of really bad shit that's being like thrown at artists. And like if you've got that shield of armor and you can like actually live through it and like go keep going, then wow, you know, it's like survival of the fittest at this point because there's just so much more layers of critiques, criticisms, and than ever before yeah you know it's such a waste of time and energy yeah. really you don't have any i mean yes i'm certain that you have something better to do exactly. with your time than to bash other people for yeah. how they're moving through the world but also if you create like the idea of an alliance right where we're all like then then that's it's like you said it's like yeah, there's an armor mm-hmm in group, you know, people coming together being like, yeah, I'm not interested. It doesn't mean that it doesn't keep happening, but it's almost like it just bounces off. And the more people that, that the more artists form like an alliance of like, we're actually into the positive sides of what we're doing and we're not gonna, Yeah, it's kind of a cool way to create a, a, um, chain, a chain mail <clears throat> yeah. outfit. Well, it's also like, <laughs> yeah, it's also like United Artists, like you, like Charlie Chaplin mm -hmm. vibes were like, Mary Pickford. Yeah, where they're like, we're making our own film studio to protect like the art form of what yeah. we're doing away from these like studio pigs, you know? Same idea though, There and there's less of that now, you know, because it's harder to do something like that. There's obviously way more uh, 
layers you have to go through to even do something like that. But that's why, like, I started my own record label that we put out, you know, Rain Song, um, just to like start the idea of like, well, there's not a lot of artist controlled entities in music or film. You know, it'd be great to be like a part of the start of a mini movement of that. And like, you know, I know that there's all these conspiracies, but you know, I know that like at the end of the day, like the big three control a lot of like the distribution and things like that. So you're always answering to the hierarchy at some point, but at least the creative part of it and the like, um, album forming part of it and the ideas of how to promote it and things like that. If it could come from a more of, from the artist themselves, like interesting records could be made. Interesting films could be put out, you know, that are maybe a little bit different than what would happen just with the business people running the show at all times, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, Oh, that sounds nice when you get closer up on the mic. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. beautiful. He's got great. He's beautiful. Yeah. Low voice. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. For, for, uh, for Lillian, your voice is very low, but I, li- I like that. Yeah. I like the juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your wife calls you Lillian, right? She I does. feel like that's how, why I know you is that. Yeah. Yeah. She'll never call me other than Lillian. Speaking of your wife, she's a visionary filmmaker, Floria Sigismundi. Yeah. And you work with her a lot. Do you collaborate, don't mm-hmm. you? So are you working? Uh, you told me earlier that you were working with her. Uh, you're doing, are you doing music on something? Yeah, we're working on, she's got a film coming out called The Turning. Uh, and so we're doing a soundtrack for it um, okay. with, the idea was to do like a classic 90s style. Well, the film takes place in the 90s. So classic 90s style soundtrack like Romeo and Juliet or um, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, the Baz Luhrmann one or like um, Lost Highway, David Lynch, Mulholland Drive, like Pulp Fiction, just where like in the 90s, the soundtrack was like a big thing. Kind of is not like that anymore aside from like the Twilight Saga or something (laughs) or Great Gatsby. You don't really have the soundtrack. So we were like, let's do an awesome soundtrack where we're like bringing together current musicians and maybe a few of like veteran iconic ones um and like just do this like soundtrack influenced by the 90s so even though we've got you know people like um war paint for example on it the song has got like a 90s flavor to it and then we've got courtney love and and kim gordon and 14 others and so like it's just like merging this current sound to sort of sound 90s and it's been really fun that's awesome yeah and we're uh doing a lot of it over at my my studio so it's been interesting just having all this these different people rolling in and out and it's been fast and inspired and not taking too long and yeah stressing sounds out. like you're living the dream bro yeah it's, it's, it's been cool working with your brother on it too? yeah so eve and i are producing it um right on. and then it's uh coming out on our label crow oh cool. records yeah right yeah. on yeah yeah, and it'll be it's next year. Next. So January. is that going to be like the first full length thing on your label? Because I know you most no, singles are. Yeah, you the doing... first full length is is this newer band that I love. Who you guys know, Nina. Yeah. Nina the. Uh, Nina. Nina. Kills birds. Yeah, so we're putting out the kills yeah. birds. Oh, cool. Full length. Yeah, and right my on. brother Bosch is actually the drummer. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, we've been Justin Justin Razor produced it. Who's another partner with our label, and uh, we've been like you know, obviously loving them for like the five years that they've existed. <laughs> I had no idea Bosch was your brother. Yeah, Bosch is my brother. 
that is crazy. I've been, uh, yeah, following them forever yeah. as well. Been to see the, so many shows for yeah, years. me too. And had no idea. I mean, I saw once that you guys, that they opened for Lawrence Rockman. Yeah, yeah. And um, I wasn't able to make that show, but I was like, that's so crazy that those two people in different sides of my life are playing the same yeah. night, same show. And then that uh, Crow produced the record, or Justin did yeah. it, and is releasing it on Crow. I was like, oh, that's another crazy uh, serendipitous coincidence. Turns out none of it's a coincidence. None of it's a coincidence. Got it. <laughs> It's nepotism once again, ladies and gentlemen. Once again. (laughs) Family. (laughs) (laughs) We've come across that a few times on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how it works. I know. I've kind of been highlighting it on purpose. Just let's let's take it out of the closet, everyone. I I scored a soundtrack for Floria's film called The Runaways, which Mm -hmm. was like about the runaways of the band. Mm -hmm. And like uh, early on, they're, you know, they're bringing in like Big Shot Composer A or Big Shot Composer B over here, you know. And like they're throwing some ideas and it's just like way not working, right? So I'm like, I'm not a composer at that point at all. And I'm like, Floyd, let me try. I do it. The producer loves it. He's like, who the hell did this? Did this? And yeah. and then she's like, well, my, my husband did. Oh, wait. No, that's too, that's like, nep- ne- that's nepotism. No, we can't, no, no. And then it, it was like a, it was like a battle. And then I was like, wait a second. Why am I battling about that when like he, the producer and his son <laughs> are producing the picture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what? That's you know? a perfect example, though, of like trying to divide, right? Instead of, or not divide's the wrong word, but not just uh, a- allowing to lift up and yeah, collaborate exactly. and, and do the, you know, if the, I mean, they're in, an, he admitted to it immediately that. Yeah. <clears throat> This is amazing, but it wasn't until that he found out that it was... Yeah, relationship. Oh, well, no, no, we can't do that. Well, I think if you really think about everything is about relationships. So regardless if it's actual blood relationships or not, like most most connections and most, you know, most creative things come because people are close and know each other and know Mm -hmm. their craft and know what they're capable of. And so they hire people, you know, and you, you know, your trust. And so it's weird because I do think nepotism is a bad, is a kind of seen as a bad word. Yet it's completely, this is what Hollywood is built built on. on. Warner brothers. And sometimes it does marginalize the, you know, film and TV yeah. and music where you're like, well, how, hi, I'm, I'm nobody anyone knows yet. How am I ever going to get in, you know, for these yeah, smaller I, people that come from other places, but they're making great stuff. I get it. I get that feeling of yeah. like, man, it's all nepotism. Like, I don't know how to get into those groups. Right. So right. I understand that. And that's why I think it's important to always have like curation engines or ways for people to see what's going on outside of their bubble Mm -hmm. because sometimes they might go you know what never heard of this kid or this girl or whatever you know but i want that that music is great i want it to film or totally and the hard part is then like you know people who are usually used to getting the nepotistic crumbs from things would be like wait what yeah totally (laughs) that's my gig yeah (laughs) <laughs> you talked about the soundtrack um and i was wondering did you also do the the score yes no i didn't want to go it, it's a it's a studio movie um i and i have an mo i will never oh now i said it and now i will right but i will never score <laughs> or do anything like that for like a studio like that just sounds like a nightmare mm-hmm. you know like independent film like is where 
I'm at. You'd be willing to Yeah, yeah. Like I've done a few things and like that's that's where it's it feels artful and exciting and well never say never because you put in the contract that you have final say on the score and they can't control it. True. So then you would. True. True. It's really just about feeling like they get to tell you what to change all the way through. Yeah. Just working with like you know, it, it, the lesser of the evils of, of that scenario, I guess. But, um, but definitely the independent film system feels a bit more exciting for somebody like myself to do music for. Got it. You heard it here first. Anything you Launch want to talk left. about? I know. Um, yeah. What I, uh, let's ask them some questions. Don't we have any like, uh, well, I do like to, ask, we like to ask three questions. Did you figure <clears throat> out how to word the one you didn't like the way I worded it? I don't care. Just do what you want. Oh, you always please. do anyway. Just do what you want. Don't be so annoying. I don't have I'm just kidding. Either. This is like yeah, part of our thing. On, this is part of our thing. I know. We have to pretend like we don't like each other right. on, on air. So there's tension. There's tension. No, well, kidding. There's, it's actually <laughs> true tension. On. Summer does hate me. No, <laughs> no, I, I love you despite myself. Um, despite. Well, we do usually ask like, first of all, who were your, who may, who inspired you as an artist? Like when you were a kid, let's say, and you were like, "Ooh, I want to go into music." What? Who was besides one of for the bubblicious girl? <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I was a little confused. Okay, a little confused thing happened. Or, t- or the Sylvia Plath, mm. the poet, yeah. I thought was a folk singer. And how did this you- is pre YouTube, obviously, and all this sort of thing. So I really loved Hole, Courtney Love, um, and Nirvana, like. Those are like my two favorite bands of all time. Like I loved, I loved whole Courtney Love and Prince. Like that was like my thing. And Courtney Love was always talking about Sylvia Plath, Sylvia Plath. And I'm like thinking that that was like a musician she was influenced by. So then I found the poetry, right? And I, I thought like, is this lyrics? Because they read kind of like lyrics like in a whole song or something. So for the longest time I thought she was a musician. You know, I was like young, right? Uh, 11. Uh, so Sylvia Plath, is what made me want to write songs because I would read these lyrics, which I thought were lyrics and be like, holy shit. And I'd rip it off and write my, a song around it, you know? So she was very, and still to this day, a very big influence on me. Like I read her stuff. I think of songs, same thing with William Burroughs. I read his, his poetry, his writings. And I think of like songs instantly. Um, that was the origins. Of, and then later in life to build up like, my fearlessness. I had a chance encounter with David Bowie at my house because my wife was directing one of his videos and he was about to relaunch his, you know, album or no, launch an album, but he had been in hiding for like 10 years or something. He had like a heart attack or some incident on stage and just was out of the pub public limelight for a good eight to 10 years. And he did everything out of our house because he wanted everything very secretive and controlled. And he was down in my studio and I was like, I finally got a little comfortable around him. And I was like, Hey, check out this song. It was like one of my first songs is Lawrence Rothman. And he said a few things to me that day that made me like everything I ever thought about, like how you do like a straight and narrow path, like just was just like brushed to the side. And I was like, okay, he just really gave me a bolt of confidence and then made it so that now whenever I get discouraged or distracted or bummed, like I just go back to like what he said. And it's actually been like the most, probably the most healing thing and protective mantra <laughs> that I can recite in my head ever. 
So. Do you want to share it with us and our listeners, or is it is it kind of like it's like the it's power? like TM where like they give yeah. you the mantra and you yeah. just want it to play, and you can't really say it. Actually, yeah, that's, <laughs> I figured because you weren't revealing, but I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, so, wow, yeah. yeah, it was cool. That's well, very maybe, cool. Maybe you'll give us at some point your <clears throat> version of that that uh, maybe might help somebody else in in you know sort of put aside everything that they've ever thought of and yeah. go about things a different way. At your leisure, not yeah. today necessarily, everybody. All right, question two. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. Who who are you listening to? Who do you think is exciting right now that you're? Oh god, there's so much music right now is at its peak. Like, I, and it's only going to keep getting more exciting because with streaming and the internet and all the possibilities of music, there's so much music now, right? Um, so, like, I really love. I hope I'm saying her name right. Mika Levi. She's a composer as well. She did um, Under the Skin. Yeah, we were talking about her the yeah. other day. She's amazing. She was actually supposed to do this movie at Floria. Um, I love her music. I love her productions. I love her scoring. I'm just a huge fan. And then um, I love uh, this girl called... Uh, uh, I'm, I can't pronounce it. No, Nilufer. I don't remember the last name. Let's skip her then. Okay. I don't remember the last name of it. It's incredible music. I'll, I'll find out. But, uh, and then Eve Toomer. Mm-hmm. I really love um, Justin. Produced that. Yeah, yeah, my brother and him have, are doing the new record. He's he's really awesome. And uh, and Kills Birds. Like that record. It's like, you know, rock music has been kind of, guitar-driven music's been kind of like on the back burner for a while. And I've, feel like there's a wave of new bands coming back with guitars and a lot of them are female fronted, which is a really awesome juxtaposition to like that aggro male. So yeah, I'm really Betty. excited it's, about them. Yeah. She's yeah. Great. Incredible front woman. Yeah. Her stage presence is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And then the, uh, the other question we have is with everything going on in the world today, that is not so, um, lovely to hear about both politically and um, environmentally, all the different things that are going on. Is there anything that for you, you know, that you really think is important to um, spend time on, ruminate, cause-driven, what, I mean, I don't know how to say it. We gotta abbreviate how, but we've been asking, like, do you have any form of activism, right? Or do you have anything that you really believe, like, stands out as an artist that you kind of go to bat for. Um, and obviously this has so many issues, mental health, gender, um, politics, the environment, animal yeah. rights. Like, Yeah, I mean, for me, it's been a lot since I began just doing music professionally, just gender mm-hmm. fluidity and, 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 uh, and rights concerning just how you see yourself as, as a human. And that kind of mixes with mental health too, because a lot of people who experience like feeling the, uh, these feelings of gender fluidity, like 10 years ago, there wasn't really a name for it. CNN wasn't talking about it. So it led a lot of my friends to like severe mental health issues. So like to me, mental health and that's been kind of hand in hand. And I've, I've donated time and money and resources to a lot of sort of, um, guerrilla groups that that early on were trying to like go into communities where like even like going to like cal arts and things like that and like finding kids who are like 
you know, committing self-harm to themselves because of not understanding like their gender identity and like, you know, doing workshops and things like that through meditation and to like sort of give them a peace of mind and say like, Hey, you're not alone. Like here's 10 people in the room. We all feel the same way, you know, where if you, you know, this, that type of conversation, even five years ago, there just wasn't groups that you could go talk to where you could sit in a room and everybody in the room is like, I don't identify, I'm, you know, I don't identify as male or female, you know, that was like unheard of when I was growing up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of, uh, guerrilla groups kind of popped up all over the major cities, like forming like almost like, you know, like AA style talks where you could come. And so I've been, you know, heavily a part of that. And also like, um, you know, people with like with bulimia and, and, and weight problems, like I've, I've been heavily involved with that because my mother struggled that all her life and like my, my uncle does. And so I've, you know, feel like whatever I can do with that, like I'm here. I think also yeah. your activism shows through your artistry in, in the way that you do present yourself. And I think that, um, you know, you are a poster child in a lot of ways of saying like, you are not alone because yeah. here I am and I am showing you who I, who I am authentically and I'm presenting as such and you can, you know, there you are to relate to. I think that's a beautiful. It's awesome. The many Thank faces you. of Lawrence Rothman. Yes. AKA Lillian Berlin, <laughs> AKA I'm sure you could roll off like 10 names, right? Like, what, how many more. names? Yeah. Uh, well, my, each one of my altars have just a name. Okay. Yeah. Like you, Kevin, you, Alistair, Liz, Christopher. Those are just the many altars of the Lawrence Rothman project. Very Me cool. as a human, I'm either Lillian or Lawrence. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, they both start with the L. Yeah. And uh, so does love. We love you, Lawrence. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Thanks for coming in. Hashtag Schools Not Prisons is the leading brand at the intersection of art, culture, and activism. Since 2016, Hashtag Schools Not Prisons has reached millions of people and connected hundreds of artists with grassroots youth-serving organizations across the United States. Hashtag Schools Not Prisons supports campaigns that are creating a new vision of safety centered on health, healing, and investing in people. Hashtag Schools Not Prisons is produced and managed by Revolve Impact, an award-winning creative agency and content studio that utilizes radical imagination, art, and culture to communicate ideas, connect brands with causes, and advance social change. For more information, visit schoolsnotprisons.us. Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields. Who's out there?